Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Emily. And this week, we are back, and we are talking about the bad bitch herself, Bellatrix Lestrange. How long have we been waiting for this episode? How many times have we been asked if we would talk about Bellatrix? And now, the hour is finally upon us, and it should be interesting. And I find it extremely appropriate that this is, like, our first real harry potter half drunk podcast-esque episode of october i mean we had just finished our enneagram series which i thought was fantastic but this is more of like you know our bread and butter kind of episode doing a character profile and what better bitch to do it on in october spooky season than bellatrix lestrange because there's no one more terrifying <laughs> Bellatrix literally embodies spooky season. Spooky season is her bread and butter. It's actually what I think spooky season was named afterwards because (laughs) that's just her entire life is spooky season. So yeah, it's, it's great. And I feel like we need to point out that your nails are very much Bellatrix Lestrange inspired right now in this season. They are. So they are. That's so amazing. If you saw, I shared it on my personal and then we shared it on the podcast, but my nails are very spooky this time around. And I have the dark mark on them and some green sparkles that represent an unforgivable curse. So yeah, very Bellatrix-esque. She was on my mind yes. while I was Very Death Eatery vibes. But yeah, I think that's, it was a great choice. You texted me a picture and was like, should I get this? And I was like, yes. And you're like, what about this? I was like, no, get that. Get the death (laughs) eater. Please, God. (laughs) The one of us gets our nails done and the one of us that does get our nails done needs to get that right now. (laughs) And and I did it. But yeah. So before we jump in, our drink of the week is so on theme this week. It (laughs) makes me want to cry a little bit. It's making my, my type one really shine. So it's a black magic cocktail, and it's two and a half ounces of black vodka. Which, who knew that was a thing? Not me. Uh, No, but honestly, like, now we have it, so might as well use it more. Maybe you'll see it more often. But honestly, I'm probably not going to use it anymore after today. (laughs) (laughs) Three-fourths ounces of lime juice, three-fourths ounces of simple syrup, and Wilton edible pearl dust. So for the recipe, you pour all the liquids into a shaker with some ice and you shake to mix as you do with pretty much every single cocktail. And then you add a dash of pearl dust to the bottom of a martini glass and you pour your cocktail in and it is like gorgeous. It, it just tastes kind of like a, I, I don't know. It's very strong. Here's the thing. For me, okay, one, I didn't get the pearl dust because I was just, I know this goes against my inauthenticness of a four, but... I was like, the fuck is, no, I'm not buying Pearl Dust. I'm sorry. I just just couldn't make the purchase this week. But two, this literally tastes like straight up hand sanitizer. Okay. (laughs) And not even the hand sanitizer that's made out of vodka. Like it tastes like legit Germex hand sanitizer. And I 
don't think I'm going to be able to drink it. So I brought some LaCroix in here and some extra vodka, and that's probably what I'm going to be drinking instead. <laughs> it is extremely strong, but you know what? Like, for this episode, the drink has to be like that, because this bitch is nuts. And this, yeah. it literally, if I was to, when we had our bonus episodes, when we talked about Bellatrix's cocktail, this is it. This is it. It's beautiful and slightly terrifying at the same time. A little unhinged. Yes. Very unhinged. And um, yeah, it's terrifying. And I think it's going to have some bad consequences after drinking it. But (laughs) anyways, that is our drink of the week. And I guess we'll just start opening up the discussion about Bella. I think generally getting her background and then sometimes where she was fucking mental and terrifying like 95% <laughs> of the time just yeah basically every single time that we see her ever but um I do want to just talk about quickly before we get into that how much of a just anomaly of a character she is in this series yeah I feel like the only person that I could also kind of put her with as far as how people perceive her and view her character as, like, Snape. So she's someone who is, like, awful, like, terrible person, but people love her. Yeah. You know, like, fans love her. Just, like, Snape is, like, what? You're awful, but people still have this huge connection to him. So why do we think that is? I feel like she's just so fascinating. I mean, with Voldemort, he has a motivation, behind his craziness and his evil, right? She really doesn't. She's just crazy. Like, to her core, she's just actually insane. And I think it's appealing, too, because I know personally for me, I kind of see her and Hermione as, like, opposite sides of the coin. Yeah. Bellatrix is brilliant. She's also pure evil. and But I also think she's incredibly intelligent. And very, you know, intuitive and can read people. Like, she completely read Snape to, like, to a T. Like, she didn't trust him and she shouldn't have trusted him. I mean, he was a double agent. And she called it. Yeah. And I I find it, like, whenever I meet someone and their favorite character is Bellatrix Lestrange, at first I'm a bit... I'm a bit concerned, concerned um, <laughs> and taken aback, but, like, I, I get it. Who doesn't love to see a bad bitch, like, just being a bad bitch? And I think for her, we need to look at, obviously, our other female villain, if you will, which is Umbridge. And the reason why they're both, like, so insane, but... No one will ever say Umbridge is our favorite character. Actually, she's, like, everyone's least favorite character, kind of unanimously. is because she doesn't just embrace her craziness. <laughs> like, she hides it. But Bellatrix, I think, because she embraces how insane she is and because she, you know, is just, like, so evil, there is something very alluring about her. I mean, she's not my favorite character by any stretch of the imagination because she ter- like she actually terrifies me. But, yeah, I mean, if your favorite character is Bellatrix, I'd like to... <laughs> we need to have a conversation. <laughs> I feel like we could do a... We could do, like, a social psychological study on people and be, like, 
out of how many people who say that Bellatrix is their favorite character also really love horror movies and love to be scared all the time. Because I mean, I love horror movies. And honestly, I, see, like, I don't. I'd put her up there with characters I like for reasons I gave. I mean, I think she's unapologetically herself and who doesn't like when people Well, are I like just them. feel like, you know, but she's also certifiably insane. Oh, so like 100%. what certifiably insane person isn't <laughs> themselves? Like they're they don't know that they're crazy. So it's not crazy to them. I to think though she does do. know that she's crazy. Like I think she does know that she's A incredibly intimidating. I think B she knows she's incredibly persuasive with literally I mean, Everyone. don't get me wrong. I think she's 100% confident in herself and her I, abilities. But I, I think she knows that she's unhinged. I think I don't think she cares. She's yeah, she just kind of embraces it. I mean, she was fucking willing to die. Like, she was the definition of ride or die for Voldemort. Like, 100%. She's like, yeah, I'll die. I'll go to Azkaban. I'm proclaiming it still. He may be gone, but he's my forever. I'll go to Azkaban for him. You bet your ass. And I'll break out and go right back to him. So I feel like, yeah, she's 100% confident in herself and her cause and, and all of her abilities. And I just, I personally, I don't want to say that I love her, but like, I, re- I respect the hell out of, like, I'm I would never want to cross her. I would, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in the same room with her ever, uh-uh, uh-uh. but I would like to look into the room. Maybe that's like protected by steel and has a window <laughs> in it and just like observe her for a while you know right like <laughs> um all right so before we jump to because i feel like we could just like talk about this forever um let's just give some background i think well that's the point it's i know i think it's so important to continuously point out that she's a black by birth she's only a little strange by marriage right she married into another pure blood family keeping right. it in the sacred 28 or whatever it is right and she's the oldest sister of Andromeda Tonks, which is Tonks's mom, and Narcissa Malfoy. Which, you really couldn't have had three sisters that were more different at all. Yeah. In a family, I don't think. Um, and then she went to Hogwarts in the early 60s, and fun fact, she was roommates with Rita Skeeter. Mm-hmm. That's that. I would not want to be their other roommates. Uh, I feel like they definitely butted heads. A lot <laughs> i feel like yeah i i kind of feel like they were each other's like arch not nemesis but maybe like competitor and slytherin but they were very different extremely as, different because yeah. i feel like rita now i'm just gonna start typing everybody in the fucking enneagram but i feel like rita is like a three and bellatrix is like an eight so rita just wanted to be the best at everything and know everything about everyone so that she could use their weaknesses against them whereas bellatrix just wanted to destroy everyone point blank <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so she was in slytherin and eventually married rodolphus lestrange which we don't really hear a lot about rodolphus because he's like severely overshadowed by his wife but he is also from a wealthy pureblood slytherin mainly family and also because and he he served his purpose as her husband and that's it because we know that like she doesn't really right. have any true feelings for him <laughs> 
who's also a Death Eater. Like, she, it was basically, like, an obligation that she get married him. It was almost like an arranged right. marriage because right. it's like, this is my suitor who I can marry, who is, you know, also a Death Eater, also pure blood, also Slytherin. Right. So we're going to get married and um, not have any kids because we don't have sex because, like, I only put out for Voldemort. <laughs> and then Voldemort rises to power and obviously Bellatrix and Rodolphus are in his inner circle and... Eventually, Bellatrix starts getting Death Eater tips and dark art training from Voldemort himself. And I feel like he, he knew that Bellatrix had romantic feelings for him, but like he doesn't have any feelings ever. Right. And he doesn't understand and runs away from the concept of love. So he is not emotionally attached to her. But if we consider her child as canon, eventually they like do have a kid. But... Who the fuck knows how that happened? I mean, I think he definitely knows that she's in love with him, and he definitely uses that to control her. Well, he exploits her. that. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, like, she doesn't care. No, no, she doesn't. And I honestly think, you know, one huge reason that she's even, like, into him is obviously because of how powerful he is, because she clearly has power lust, like, to the nth degree. Also, I think she just really believes in his cause. Like, yeah, I, I think, think she, she is. Yeah, she bought into the. She sipped the Kool Aid. I mean, yeah, she's on the crazy train. Things muggles should be below wizards, and wizards should rule over everybody else, and is all about the pure bloodness. Like, she is one hundred percent in love with her cult leader and in love with the cause, and believes it. All right. I mean, I think one really important fact about her is she was one of the few death eaters that didn't denounce him yeah she believed in the cause so much that she was willing to go to azkaban for it and didn't care and was screaming until the moment they took her away and you know was a firm believer that he was going to come back i mean even so far as that even even when he was gone even when voldemort quote-unquote was defeated by harry and they were trying to escape capture by orders. They even went so far, Bellatrix, her husband, her husband's brother, and Barty Cross Jr., by finding Alice and Frank Longbottom and torturing them just because they were, you know, looking for information on where Voldemort was and how right. he was defeated. So even after her boss and cult leader is gone, she's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to find him. Which so, probably caused yeah. a huge riff in the family with the Malfoys, especially. <laughs> you know, this bitch was like, you need to not denounce your loyalty. Like, he's coming back. You need to get your priorities straight. Like, what are you doing? Um, riff yeah. number one between the sisters of many, many, I'm sure. But but not as big. Not as big as your sister marrying a muggle. <laughs> because how fucking dare you marry a muggle? Yeah. That is cause for disownment. Or your cousin being sorted into Gryffindor. I mean, there are just right. so many and things. and being an or. So many things. Right. <laughs> Anyways, so after Bellatrix and Rodolphus basically tortured Frank and Alice Longbottom into insanity, they were captured and put into Azkaban and pretty much sent to prison for the rest of their life. Like, that caused a huge uproar in the Wizarding world. But once inside Azkaban, Bellatrix did not lie about her loyalty to Voldemort. She didn't try to take a plea deal. She was proudly proclaiming that he was it and that he would return and that 
she would wait for him when he did, basically. And when she was there, she described herself as the Dark Lord's most loyal follower, and even Lord Voldemort, whom she admired the most, gained a considerable amount of respect for her because of how she held herself in Azkaban. Like, he, whenever he came back in the graveyard, he was very proud and gained a little bit of respect for her because of how loyal she was to him when he was gone for those 13 years. Right. And I think, you know, that is one thing that kind of sets her apart, like we said, but also the fact that I I think she was insane before she went to Azkaban. So, I mean, this might be controversial. I don't really think it is, but it might be. I don't I don't really think Azkaban had like that much of an effect on her. Like I think that she was like obviously wanted to get out and wanted Voldemort to come back. But I think she was already nuts. So Well, I mean, don't don't dementors like prey on like souls. Uh, like yeah, and <laughs> she has a slim sliver of one. So I feel like, you know, she embraces the darkness that the Dementors bring. Like she's already living in that despair all the time, and not and she doesn't even realize that she's in despair. That's just like where she thrives. So right, I, I, I feel like, or you know, also maybe the Dementors were like, "Now nah, we're not gonna fuck with that bitch." You know, like we, why waste our time on her? If the Dementors took their orders from Voldemort before in the past. They probably knew that Bellatrix was, like, high in the ranking, and they don't want to face the wrath of Voldemort whenever he comes back and hears from his most loyal servant that the Dementors were causing some trouble and Azkaban for her. Yeah, and I I think when she's described as kind of raging about and thrashing in her wanted posters... I think she was just pissed that Voldemort was gone. I don't think it was, oh, I'm in Azkaban now. I think that's what she kind of expected to happen. Like we said, she's a ride or die. Or she could have just been, like, super fucking hungry. Like, I feel like <laughs> I can look like that when I'm hungry. And she wasn't used to having her her accommodations not provided to her by her loyal little house elves and slaves. So she's just like, the fuck is this moldy bread you're giving me? I'm not in the mood. So, you know, that also can make a bitch crazy, too. So, You heard it here. Bellatrix Lestrange's <laughs> craziness. She's actually just hangry. <laughs> she just really, really needs a donut. Yeah, anyways. So, after some time in Azkaban, eventually there was a mass breakout with her and I think nine other Death Eaters, or nine total broke out of Azkaban. And this caused quite a stir in the wizarding world whenever all these death eaters broke out of azkaban because we already have heard from harry potter that voldemort's back but nobody believes it right and the ministry of magic blames sirius black on the incident which of course they do and bellatrix loves this fact because she hates her cousin sirius so these 10 prisoners who escaped were considered to be some of the most dangerous and ruthless death eaters of their time because of their crimes being so legendary and of course Beltrix loved that and she loves being the witch on the wanted poster because it's funny to her that all of these people are trying to capture her but then we see her finally in the battle of the department of mysteries in order of the phoenix yeah and uh, i mean even just through print she's terrifying in this whole sequence especially when it comes to the, you know, kind of 
to the head and she does end up killing Sirius. And you could tell just the joy that that brings her, killing her own blood. Yeah. <laughs> she's and nuts. Then she enjoys the pain that it causes Harry because she's like, oh, itty bitty baby Potter's trying to use an unforgivable curse on me because he's sad and like hurt. And it's just, yeah, she relishes in causing pain and grief and anger in other people. So that is terrifying in and of itself. And when we first see her, when Harry's got the prophecy uh, and the Department of Mysteries, and she is just literally always being so like condescending. And but like at the same time, by the way she's described, like she's constantly victorious. Like I don't know how to describe. Like she just knows that she's gonna get what she wants, and you can see it plainly written all over her face. Like she's very confident. She's a very, ability. very confident like, bitch. Which is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so obviously she kills Sirius and Department of Mysteries, and she probably felt like that was a long time coming, and she probably, honestly, was a little jealous at all the hype that Sirius was getting around being Voldemort's, like, man. Because she knows it's not true. Yeah, she knows like, it's not Fuck true. Fuck you, dude. I mean, they've yeah. clearly never gotten along. And they're two people that have just absolutely never gotten along. I feel like even as kids, uh, Sirius is a lot more emotional than his entire family, pretty much. And yeah, she probably, like, bullied him relentlessly. And I think at this point, you know, that... They had chosen their sides, and unfortunately, he had been cooped up for so long and just wasn't really on his A-game, and, you know, she's just, she's really powerful, and it's, like, right. the worst, I think, for me, personally, it's, like, one of the worst deaths because you know that they're related. I think also we should mention that before she moved on and started dueling with Sirius, she was first dueling with Tonks, Nymphadora Tonks, her niece, right. who she had zero relationship with, but knew who she was, and was just like, fuck you. And, like, I think that Tonks is so badass, but when you put Tonks up against her Aunt Bellatrix, like, it's just no, no comparison. Especially given um, what we know about Tonks's mother and Bellatrix's looks. Like, Bellatrix and her um, sister really favor each other. And mm -hmm. that's pointed out to us in Deathly Hollows. And so for Tonks, could you imagine on top of that, like, she kind of looks like an evil she version of your mom. She's <laughs> fighting, yeah, the crazy version of your mom. Like, that's ridiculous. And then after that, after she kills Syria, she goes right on to battling with Kingsley, another super hardcore badass armor in my book. And mm -hmm. she defeats him. Doesn't kill him, but, you know she wins their duel and the only person that she doesn't defeat before she flees is Dumbledore but she does block a spell that he cast at her so that like sh she could put she could hold her own against Dumbledore like that's saying a lot about the bitch right so then we see her again when Narcissa wants to make the unbreakable vow in Half-Blood Prince with Snape and she really doesn't trust him like I said like she could read him like book and the last thing on earth that she wants is Narcissa to make this vow and risk her life. And also, in her eyes, she's like, you should be celebrating. Like, your child has been given the greatest honor to kill someone. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> by our master. <laughs> like, if that doesn't tell you how fucking insane she is, I really don't know what will. Like, I... Right. She thinks that killing someone is the greatest honor that can be bestowed upon you. Right. Especially from Voldemort's lips. Yeah, especially if it's given to you by him. Well, we see her, you know, be the one to bind Narcissa with Snape doing the Unbreakable Vow, which causes a lot of shock to her because she's so distrustful of Snape. So this was a big right. move. And she also, we find out through the book, helps Draco with his task by teaching him a clemency to use against Snape because she 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 binds them but she also is not fully on board with Snape because she's just not like she just doesn't trust him but she teaches Draco a clemency so that Draco can hide his full details from Snape which just kind of seems confusing to me that Snape has made this unbreakable vow to Narcissa to help Draco and finish the task if Draco should not succeed. But also we're telling Draco, use a clemency against Snape so that you don't tell him the full details of the task, which wouldn't be helpful if you don't succeed. I think it comes, yeah, it is confusing, but I think it comes back to she never wanted Narcissa to make that vow and she never wanted Snape to be involved. So I think for her, she probably got into his ear and was like, you don't need him. Like, you can you can do it. And yeah, yeah like, this is and your like, duty. I think it was more of like a glory thing for Draco. Yeah, and like, for her. She probably I mean, approached it as like, don't let Snape take this glory from you, this right. victory. This is yours. You earned it and your family needs it more than Snape does. Because look at your dad. Look at his choices. Exactly. Okay. We need you to pull us back out from this grave that he has dug us into. He's, she's like, unfortunately, through marriage, I'm linked to your father. So you need to actually like <laughs> All of you up. are pulling me down. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we just talk about the fact that she's extremely gifted in occlumency too? Because that is not easy to master, as we have learned throughout the series. So the fact that she can teach Draco this, like, really in a few months, I think is an extreme talent. I feel like in order to be in Voldemort's inner guard, inner circle, you have to learn a clemency. Like, he's not going to let you go out into the world with all of this knowledge of the inner workings of the Death Eaters and his plots and his plans and his life, basically, without you knowing a clemency. Right. You know? Like, that is, like, his number one line of defense for his information, I think, being given to other people. Does that make sense? Like, he, he is not going to let his Death Eaters be captured by Aurors and other ministry members or whatever, or just live their daily lives and have people ask them questions without them knowing a clemency. Right, and so I that think he's that's kind of what in jeopardy. sets her apart. Because I, I don't think many Death Eaters know his plans. I think he right. is the type, obviously, to keep his cards very close. I think the people that knew his plans were Bellatrix and a few others of an inner circle, also Snape, which, lol, that was a bad decision. And then we see her again, um, beginning of Deadly Hollows, when they're talking about Harry being moved from the Dursley's house, and she is just so friggin' hype that Voldemort is at Malfoy Manor. Like, she's like, my lord, it is an honor to have you here in our family's house. There can be no higher pleasure. No higher pleasure 
That means a great deal, Bellatrix, from you. My lord knows I speak nothing but the truth. Like, gag me. That's so gross. But yeah, she's really hyped. And it's like, I think this little chapter, though, more than anything, kind of shows how evil she is. Because she's literally saying she wants to continue to prune her family tree. By, I mean, well, because they're talking about the wedding of Tonks to Lupin and you know, they're kind of bringing up, like, how do you feel about that, Bellatrix? And she's like, mm, no, we're going to prune my family tree and get rid of all the, like, rotten apples, basically. Right. Because Tonks married Lupin. And clearly, <laughs> anybody who comes from her sister Andromeda's bloodline already was written off in her book, but especially Tonks. Especially Tonks, who married a werewolf. Lupin, who is, well, I mean, they they, they run with Finier Greyback, but... Not only a werewolf, but a werewolf who is also an extremely gifted wizard and skilled aurer. I think they run with Finier Greyback because they need a, a bot. They mean they need the muscle, and he also doesn't try to be a wizard. Yeah, the fear factor. Like I feel like the moment that werewolf, because I don't think he'd even claim himself as a man. Um, I think the moment that he would have tried to be a wizard and act like he was on the same kind of ranking as them they would have had an issue a hundred percent yeah but then after that conversation at Malfoy Manor and we learn about Harry being moved from Privet Drive we see the attack on the order whenever they're moving Harry and we don't really see this part but we learn later that Bellatrix pursued Ron, who was disguised to look like Harry and Tonks, and Bellatrix tried really hard to kill Tonks whenever they were trying to escape. Pruning that tree? Yeah, she tried to prune the tree, and it just didn't didn't happen that time, but she got her in the end. But after that, the copy of Gryffindor's sword was put in Bellatrix's vault, and obviously they didn't know that it was a copy at this point. And then we don't really see her much later until we're back at Malfoy Manor when Harry and Hermione and Ron were captured by Snatchers and taken there. Yeah. And then we get, you know, arguably some of the most, like, cringeworthy scenes because she really wants Draco to expose them. He refuses. She gets pissed. And then she sees... We're gonna have a little chat. Girl to girl. <laughs> and then she sees the, the sword gets even more pissed and then she tortures Hermione and yeah I mean again I think it's really easy for us to forget in our rereads and our dives into these series it's really easy to forget these are still just children and this is what like a 50 year old woman torturing a 17 year old girl like it's a big deal it's Mm -hmm. a lot right And then after that, whenever they do escape because of Dobby's help, she sends her knife spiraling into them whenever they apparate and is the one who kills Dobby. And I just want to talk for a second. Everyone I love, okay? She literally (laughs) kills everyone. Like, she kills everyone who has the most gut wrenching deaths. And the people who we talk about, who is like, who would you save? Hmm, I don't know. Dobby, Sirius, Remus, Tonks. Like, I would save all of them. Yeah. I don't think she killed Remus, but she tried very hard to kill them. Yeah. I mean, she has a gift in killing the innocent and also, like, bringing, <laughs> bringing people down. And 
it really comes down to she's just really, she's a really powerful witch. She just is. And she sees her opportunities and she goes for them. And she's not afraid to go for them. It was uh, Dolohov. Dolohov killed Lupin. But anyways, yeah. So she, she just has an affinity for murdering people. Yeah. And then she, we see her during the Battle of Hogwarts. Well, first we see her in the forest after Voldemort gets kind of thrown back and she's like freaking out all over him. My lord. My lord. Um, and then she's celebrating with him and they think Harry's dead. And then they go back to the castle and she is battling with Ginny. And Molly Weasley steps in because she's not about to lose another baby, first of all. And second of all... She just had enough. She has had enough. <laughs> Bellatrix. <laughs> Not today. Child. Not my daughter, you bitch. Exactly. And, um, you know, in the movies, she explodes and Voldemort and Harry are like flying around. But I think the book is so much more powerful because she is battling her. And then as soon as Molly hits her with her curse squarely in the chest, I might add, she's great aim, mm-hmm. Bellatrix's gloating smile froze. Her eyes seemed to bulge. For the tiniest space of time, she knew what had happened. And then she toppled, and the watching crowd roared, and Voldemort screamed. So I think that like this whole passage here just shows how much Voldemort, I don't think he cared for her, but how much esteem he held her in. Like... I don't think he ever expected to lose his great lieutenant. I don't think he ever expected, like, her to be taken down by Molly Weasley, who he would consider a blood traitor, right? So... Right. And a non-threat. Right. So I think it was just hard for him. And also, I think if Voldemort was to give a shit or a shred of anything about anyone, it was Bellatrix. Just because of how loyal she was. I'm not sure if it's like a romantic thing. I'm sure he took advantage of that. But I think it was mostly just, uh, oh, she's really loyal. Yeah, I think it also is just a visual representation of like his final lines of defense are falling. Like he is already pretty sure that all of his horcruxes are gone. His snake's head got chopped off. And now his most loyal servant just got killed by... A housewife basically and he's like what the fuck is happening so yeah i think that was basically his last straw because if bellatrix goes down there's no one left fighting for him but himself there's nothing else keeping him safe but no himself. and i'm sure it takes a long time to break in someone who's that loyal to you <laughs> he's like no <laughs> he I just doesn't have time start from the bottom <laughs> he's tired yeah. like he wants a especially bath, now like... when he's that close to his goal but yet again, he is foiled. <laughs> but yeah, and then that's basically it. Then I mean, I mean she, at I some don't... point in time in there, apparently she had a daughter. Yeah, but, but I'm apparently not get there's into like a, a Voldemort Bellatrix legacy somewhere there. I just really don't understand. Like, uh, here's my <laughs> here's my thing. <laughs> I feel like J.K. Rowling goes into a lot of descriptions for Bellatrix especially and I think if she was to make her pregnant we would have known yeah first I feel like it's pretty funny that we went through this this entire little like background discussion and didn't even mention the fact 
of how amazing Helena Bonham Carter is at playing her one. Like, with all this description, like, she matches it perfectly. Like, Helena Bonham Carter cast is, character like, ever. low-key one of the most talented actresses who's so underrated, in my opinion. But fun fact is that she was not originally cast to play Bellatrix. Originally, Helen McCrory, who plays Narcissa, was that been a supposed terrible to be Bellatrix. Like, okay, crazy. Would have changed everything for me if yeah. those two had been flip-flopped. Or even if it was Helen McCrory and Helena Bottom Carter wasn't in the cast. I can't picture the Harry Potter movies without her in it. Like, right. She's that much of a presence. And I mean, I can't picture Bellatrix as anyone else. I feel like that more so than if they ever redo the series, that character more so than like the golden trio is going to be terrible to recast. Like, cause you got it perfect on the nose the first time you did great. Well, I guess the second time technically, but yeah. And it could just be Bellatrix as a character, but I really feel like it just goes back to Helena Bonham Carter because like, I really feel like every single role that she's in, she just like steals the show like, she cannot be recast, ever. It's like trying to recast someone as Indiana Jones. Like, they better not remake those movies, because I won't watch them, because it's not Harrison Ford. You know? It's just <laughs> not the same. Yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, because she's such a method actress, and also because she was married to Tim Burton for so long, and I feel like her life was just probably really strange. Well, to marry Tim Burton, your life has to be strange before he even... Oh, yeah. And she started all his movies, so, you know. But I... Yeah. She... She's just one of those actresses that she has such a niche kind of, like, character. And I feel like Bellatrix Lestrange, for her, is kind of, like, the epitome of every character that she plays. Like, if you see her in um, Alice in Wonderland when she plays the Queen of Hearts, she's crazy! But, like, Mm -hmm. she still has to hold on to, like, a shred of that dignity, right? But with Belgians, yeah. she doesn't have to hold on to anything. She can just completely let loose and be, like, insane. And my favorite fact about her is in an interview, she was asked what she kept. And she kept Bellatrix's wand. And when her kids have friends over and they're being annoying, she'll go get the wand out and she'll start <laughs> acting like Bellatrix. <laughs> that is amazing. So, I mean, but if you really don't really think scary. there's, like... Part of the reason everyone loves Bellatrix is because of Helena Bonham Carter. I just feel like you're wrong because I feel like she completely embodies the character so much. And really, I think for a person who's so dedicated to canon as like Sam and I are, just seeing an actress who literally is like page to screen perfect is so rare. And I think that's what makes her character so intriguing and special. Yeah, definitely. She's just like you said, intriguing. Like, you, 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 it hurts to watch, but you can't look away, you know? I did listen to a little bit of whenever quarantine was first starting or whatever, and the Wizarding World was putting out those chapters read by actors and everybody. I listened to the chapter that she read because I just love to hear her because <laughs> I just think she's so awesome. And then I watched that Netflix uh, Sherlock Holmes maybe with Millie Bobby Brown because she was in it because I just can't get enough of Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, and she also she's in The Crown and um, I love The Crown. Oh she yeah, one hundred percent. But she's so good in that too. 
So good. So good. And I, I honestly, like, I can't think of a movie that I've seen her in that I didn't like. Mostly because she was in it. Like, she, she just kind of, the way that she takes these characters and makes them, like, real people that you can, like, interact with, I think is... It's rare that you can feel that kind of connection, especially to an evil character. I mean, I don't feel any sort of connection to Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> At all. And, but like for some reason I do have one of Bellatrix. I don't know if it's because she's a female character. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like, you know, we should note that there are so many, like, huge names in this series. British actors who yep. are in this series. All stars. Like... Obviously, like, Maggie Smith, Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman. The bitch who plays Umbridge. Who plays Molly Weasley. What's her name? Julie Walters. Like, there are so many good, amazing actors and actresses, but Helena Bonham Carter is just next level because she is such a method actress. Like, you believe it when she is on screen. It's not just a character. Like, she is that character. So, anyways, we, like... I, and I feel like also that might be another reason why I am so just interested in Bellatrix because when I see her portrayed by Helena Bottom Carter, I, because of my love for Helena Bottom Carter, I feel something for her. Like I don't, I don't exactly want her to die. I don't want her to go anywhere because I want to keep seeing her because she is so fascinating and I am so obsessed with Helena Bottom Carter. Does that make sense? Like, I like Bellatrix more after seeing Helena Bonham Carter portray her. Yeah, I mean, no one can do that itty-bitty baby Potter like her. I mean, I can't do it. I'm terrible at voices. But, like, (laughs) she, I don't know, we, like, we could literally go on, I feel like, for a couple more hours just praising her because she's an incredible talent. Like, how long did it take her to perfect that, like, crazy cackle? I just want to think that she just that she has. I, I want to yeah. just, I just want to kind of think that she didn't really have to practice to be better. It's just the first take. Like, she, perfect, let's move on. Next scene. What I mean, and people were like, did you always want to play Bellatrix in interviews with her? And she always has responded with, well, I really wanted to play Hermione, but for some reason they never asked me. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's just... You know, she's just so rich. I don't know. But she's iconic. Iconic. And it it makes it hard to hate her because she's so iconic. And she's yeah. so linked to this character. Ugh, I love it. But anyway, praise of Helena Bottom Carter, always. But Bellatrix, I, I've honestly now I want to know if it's your favorite. I, we should have done a poll before this because I need to know how many, like, what is the percentage of Potterheads? It's probably all Slytherins, if I had to guess. But that Bellatrix is your favorite. Or even not just your favorite, but, like, not your... But she's up there. Like, she's in your top five favorite characters. Because she... I don't know if she is for me, but she's up there for me. Like, not as in, like... I'm not, like, rooting for her, but I'm not, like, not rooting for her. (laughs) And I'm just very fascinated by her, you know? (laughs) She's up there. Just from the depth of a character writing standpoint. She is up there for sure. Right. I'm also like, I'm just so intrigued by the Delphini timeline. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, I don't. And, and this, you know, probably is information that we should know and about the timeline. But 
I just don't think it can be overstated how much we fucking hate Cursed Child. So I and don't come don't for care, us saying honestly. we haven't seen it, so we can't have that opinion because uh, we can. You're you're like you're absolutely right. I have not seen the Broadway play. I haven't. Why would I want to pay it, for something that I don't like? I mean, I I will see it if it you know if the occasion comes up in a post-pandemic world where I can go to the theater. Yeah, I'm gonna want to go everywhere that I can. And I would see it because it's Harry Potter. But I I really don't think it's going to make me get over my distaste for the the breakaway from the canon and just uh, the completely different writing style of the screenplay than the books. And it just makes me want to vomit to even talk about. But <laughs> the fact that her name is Delphine, I think, does say something about her because she was named after another like star constellation which obviously bellatrix narcissa sirius they're all constellations so i think that bellatrix was the one who picked her child's name because voldemort probably didn't pay that much attention to her heritage but if delphine actually was a character i would be interested to learn more about her relationship or how she perceived her mother, uh, because I feel like it would be no surprise the actions that Delphine took. I mean, I feel like Delphine was inherently evil just based on who her parents were. Or just like royally fucked up from the beginning because she had no relationship with either of them. Right, right. And knew who they were. <laughs> I do love, love though, and this is something I guess we could probably end on, but I do love how J.K. Rowling brings in... Um, these name meanings because yes her name she is a constellation bellatrix but bellatrix means female warrior and Mm -hmm. also the conqueror and it can also be an alternative name to orion himself so just in the name that she chose for her i mean she was gonna be a firehouse 100 percent. and delphine means omen or portent of the future omen it's all for you, Damien. Prophetess, soothsayer. So basically her whole birth was a bad omen of evilness because of her parents. Yeah, she's like basically the child of Satan. That's spooky. Does that bring up spooky bad season. memories for you, Back Sam? to the top, Does full it bring, circle. Bring back bad memories for you. Let's not. Watch Let's not talk about that. Me. That faded October 31st night at your house, our freshman year of high school. Was it freshman year or sophomore year? I think it was freshman, freshman year. I don't remember. But, yeah, that was not a good time for me. That was when my fear of Jack Nicholson was established after <laughs> watching The Shining, after watching The Omen, after watching The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I didn't go to sleep at night for three years without checking under my bed for Jack Nicholson. <laughs> And that is all thanks to you, Emily. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not thankful. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at HP Half Drunk and on Facebook at Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. And right now our website is under construction. So don't go there right now because things <laughs> will be a mess for a minute. But when you do go there, it's hphalfdrunk.com. Yep. And that's where... Our episodes can be found whenever it is back up. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe and give us five star 
and a review, or you can find us on Spotify or basically anywhere that you get your podcast. You can also click the direct download link that we post each week with the episode. Yep. All right. Well, have a great week and we will see you next week. (laughs) Cheers. Mischief managed.